And one of the things we've got to stop doing is stop apologizing for our own positions. The purpose of America is to suppress Islam. You know, Britain's joined with America in the suppression of Islam. This nation is at war with Islamic fascists. So if the Palestinians chose Hamas, but you know, that wasn't the choice that was the system was rigged for. Uh, you know, the fact that the Venezuelans keep electing Hugo Chavez, that's not uh, democratic enough for the uh, magicians of finance on Wall Street and Goldman Sachs. So it's emerging as like America's becoming a psychopathic magician. You know, the tricks go wrong, and instead of just exiting the stage in embarrassment, he pulls out a gun and kills the audience. So how dare you pick the wrong card? And one of the things we've got to stop doing is stop apologizing for our own positions. All right, it's uh, Truth About Markets time with Max and Stacy. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, you know, some big news here in the UK. You've got a, f- a few stories to choose from. A, chaos at the airports due to those uh, jelly bombs, threat of a jelly bomb. Uh, B, the big news with Coca-Cola and Pepsi in India. Or C, the uh, Israeli uh, slaughter of uh, Lebanese uh, trying to get that falafel recipe. They're trying to get a falafel recipe. That's what it's all about? Yeah. You know, all these all these uh, schmatas down in New York, 2nd Avenue, they got the uh, cream cheese, they got the uh, they got the blintzes, the they lox. got the matzo balls, they got the lox. They, they've been searching for centuries for that falafel recipe to make a good falafel sandwich. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, now we, we understand that whole... The it's all about falafels. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to kill the mother of the Lebanese. We're going to get the falafel. <clears throat> yeah, well, let's see. Let's talk about Coca-Cola. Coke, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, Pepsi. 24 times the maximum allowed levels of pesticide found in the products over there in Coca-Cola being sold in India. Now, uh, the company is saying, well, what's the big deal? There's pesticide. Did I say pesticide? Uh, You said pesticide. Did I? Yeah. That's what they found, pesticide. That's what they have. They want them to list the pesticide in the product because it's uh, a big part of the product. You know, you got to list the sugar and the various other ascorbic acid or whatever the hell it is, gum, gumzilla, loopzilla gum, monosorbate, crypto, nitroglycerin, jelly bomb, the various other items, saccharin, acetylene, uh, iskabibalin. It's all there in the Coca-Cola. They got to put it in there. So they want them to list the ingredients on the side of the can. You see that they want them to expose the so-called secret formula. The secret formula is let's spend four hundred million dollars a year on marketing. That's the secret formula. And uh, they also got uh, a need to. Um, you know, explain to the people why they want them to drink this uh, pesticide-laden crapola, you know. Now, there's a, there's a secret video, actually, of farmers using Coca-Cola as pesticide. You see, in India, they had the so-called Green Revolution, where the farmers became dependent on various, uh, like, pesticides, you see. Pesticides, <laughs> yeah. they became dependent on these pesticides. It's not, a, it's not exactly an organic place, you see. So they have a tape of farmers using Coca-Cola as pesticide because there's so much pesticide in Coke. It's cheaper to use Coke than to go to the local, you know, uh, pesticide store, the Walmart of pesticide store, McPesticide or whatever they have. Like, I don't know. McDupont. Yeah. McDow. Yeah, McBoo Paul. 
Like Bhopal. <laughs> oh, they're Dow Chemical. You know, Dow Chemical and those, those guys, uh, of course, it's a double whammy. They, first, they killed 20,000 Indians by blowing them, gassing them to death back there in the, uh, what, 20 years ago mm-hmm. in Bhopal. Big uh, leak, big pipe leak. It reminds me now in uh, Prudhoe, Alaska. Remember the, uh, they got the leaks up there in the pipeline? Oh, yes, and some say because BP allowed the pipes to corrode so that they could drive up the price of gas and oil. Right. Well, same thing in Bhopal. They get Dow Chemical and Union Carbide, which was the company before Dow took it over. They just allow the stuff to rot, and then it blows up. 20,000 Indians die. Then the company gets a big and fat insurance check. It's not like, you know, you saw that movie Goodfellas. You know, the mafia just burns down the casino, and they get the, uh, they get the payback. They get the insurance money. Same thing with Exxon. They just let the pipes rot. Then they get the big fat insurance check. That's the problem in this economy where every, all these companies can buy all this insurance and float all these in derivative products where they never take any risks. But the environment takes the brunt of all the risk, and the environment is decaying, and the environment is killing more people thanks to the uh, corruption of the environment due to the mass slaughtering genocidal maniacs of Exxon, Coca-Cola, BP, Chevron. And, of course, they're financed by the super smiles. <laughs> the super schmattish? The super schmattas. <laughs> Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's a super schmatta. Goldman Sachs, <laughs> J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Barclays Bank, HSBC, super schmatta. Of course, the super schmattas have a new friend in Warren Buffett, who just put $4 billion into Israel. Now Warren Buffett's fighting Hezbollah. That's right. That's what this conflict's all about. Hezbollah, they're not giving up that falafel recipe. So the U.S. and Israel called in Warren Buffett. They said made a $4 billion investment in this new metal company. What's the name of that metal company? IES Metals or Ingot Metals or Israeli Metals, Shemada Metals. They're saying, hey, here's $4 billion in Israel. Now Warren Buffett, who's located in Omaha, is fighting Hezbollah on the border of Lebanon. So it's Hezbollah versus Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, of course, is the single biggest shareholder of... Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. He owns millions and millions of shares of Coca-Cola. So it's Warren Buffett and Coke versus Hezbollah over the border of Lebanon. And they're tossing falafels and missiles and dirty bombs at each other. So you think Warren Buffett is going there in order to acquire the Latani River water source. To for, make more Coca-Cola. Because they were being, he knew they were being kicked out of India, many states of India. Well, I would uh, support my argument with the following situation, the following story from today's Financial Times here at Residence 104.4 FM, the best radio station in the universe. It says right here on the Financial Times, page, uh, let me see, page three, today, Saturday, the U.S. warns of an al-Qaeda attack in India. Now, as we've talked about on the show, it's Bin Laden, Bush, and Blair are on the same side. It's, uh, see, the... The battle lines for this, uh, let me undo my pants a little bit, because I need to breathe, honey. Let me just undo my button. Oh, that's better. Oh, God. Oh, dear. One too many croissants this oh, morning. Oh, now I can breathe. You see, the battle line in this war, you got on one side, you got the corporate occupying force, which are like the BP, the Microsoft, the Coca-Colas. Then the other side is the global insurrection against corporate occupation. So you've got a lot of NGOs, you've got people trying to defend the ecology, defend the uh, ecosystem so that it can sustain human life for maybe another 20 years before it totally blows up. And Bush, Blair, Bush, Bush, Blair and Bin Laden are basically on the side of the corporate occupation. And uh, they're working together. And obviously, if you go to this Financial Times story today, 
you see that what we have in India is Coke and Pepsi getting their ass handed to them, and there's a, it's a big story. It's a it's a big story. There's been several days worth of coverage of the story now that Coke is being thrown out of many states in India because they're trying to sell poison, and the Indians are saying, you know, what do we get out of it? You're just coming in here. You and Coke and Pepsi have monopolized our local industry, uh, our local cola market. Oh, we forgot to mention Bola Cola before, by the way. One of the strategies for Hezbollah to combat Warren Buffett they still introduced their own cola, Hezbollah Cola. I'm going to make some of them cola nuts, grind it all up, put special secret formula in there. I'm sure the Lebanese can come up with a good competing product, Hezbollah Cola. Going to, going to, going to compete with Coca-Cola in the, in the entire uh, Arab uh, you know, universe. You know, they already have Mecca Cola, and they've got uh, Zoom Zoom Cola. Yeah, but the Lebanese are good at those sweeties, so maybe they can make something that goes kind of with their... Balakava. What's the, what's the name Baklava? of this? Baklava? Is that a Lebanese dish? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was uh, Greek. Uh, the Greeks make it, too. Oh, the Greeks make... Uh, what's the other thing with the uh, the ground-up meat and the eggplant? Moussaka. Moussaka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moussaka. That's not baklava. No. Baklava is the other thing with the honey, yeah. the nuts, yeah. and that little phyllo pastry. Yeah. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Why can we get some of that right now? No wonder baklava. your fans are expand your your belly's expanding. I mean, too much baklava. <laughs> I'm gonna get on to uh, where were we last week? We were down last week. We were at the uh... Casamaza. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the Lebanese place. Yeah, that's right. But mm-hmm. we were also in London. We were at uh, the uh, Italian coffee, Coffee Italiana, Bar Italia, Bar Italia. We had uh, a whole a whole uh, love in. It was a it was a, a Karma Bank Radio residence love in. With the mayor of Biffin Bridge. Yeah, the mayor of Biffin Bridge. Peter was there. His wife, Caroline. Mm-hmm. And their two kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, who was that other fellow? The sound engineer. Very uh, nice he man. He says he doesn't like to be named. Oh, that's right. He likes to stay, keep a low, low profile because he works for one of the major media companies. Yeah. He doesn't want to know that uh, this is a secret pleasure, a but secret he... garden of pleasure for him to listening to us trash all major media every week. And he himself is part of the major media. He's an insurgent against the corporate occupiers. He is. He's a, he's a mole inside the major media. We won't mention his name. Anyway, what were you talking about? <laughs> well, we're talking about the fact that Bush, Blair, and Bin Laden are on the same side, right? Now, you got this story in India where all these states in India are kicking out like 7 out of 28 states or 14 out of 28 states, kicking Coca-Cola and Pepsi out of the country because they're mass-murdering, psychopathic, drug-dealing nincompoops. And... Uh, so, naturally, U.S. warns of al-Qaeda attacks in India. Who heads up al-Qaeda? Donald Rumsfeld. Mm-hmm. Donald Rumsfeld and Chuck Prince over Citigroup are basically the co-chairman of al-Qaeda. <laughs> if you, you know, they're the ones pulling the strings of al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wait a minute, we, we, this, the Indians are trying to um, declare independence from Coca-Cola? Yeah. Well, let's go, get, let's go in there and blow them up. Yes, and this seems to be the tactic favored this week because they did do this in the UK with these uh, alleged, the alleged plot to take down 10 planes, of course, came only a few hours after Dick Cheney spoke to the press saying that all these Democrats in Connecticut who voted for Ned Lamont were helping Al-Qaeda out. Yeah, so, so the corporate occupation is trying to say that Ned Lamont's in battle with Al-Qaeda. Yes. Well, actually, on the news this morning, I see that CNN, a CNN anchor yesterday, yeah. apparently said directly, is Ned Lamont, is he, he the Al-Qaeda candidate? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, <laughs> as we've been saying on this show, when, uh, 
when these elections, free elections, pick a candidate that doesn't support neoconservative Al Qaeda, Bush, Blair, and Bin Laden, they're uh, painted with uh, a brush of uh, extremism and uh, pushed to the sidelines, and uh, they have their life threatened. And this is what we see, though. This is what we see around the world. Now, Americans, as we have argued for the last three years, Americans will be next. They think, oh, you know, let them bomb Palestinians because they elected Hamas. Mm -hmm. Let them bomb Lebanese because they elected Hezbollah to some seats. Mm -hmm. Let them bomb the Iraqis because they elected the wrong people. Let them bomb the Bolivians because they elected the wrong people. Let them bomb the Haitians because they elected the wrong people. Let them bomb the Venezuelans because they elected the wrong people. Well, now it's happening to Connecticut. America hates democracy. (laughs) Exactly. America hates democracy. And um, obviously, as you point out, Ned Lamont, because he's now fighting for freedom and democracy in America, he's being painted uh, as some kind of uh, pariah by the Bush, Blair, and Bin Laden axis. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's also being called an insurgent by, by politicians in America like... Uh, <sighs> <laughs> he's being called... Who called by, him? The by, uh, insurgency. Newt, Newt Gingrich. Newt, Newt Gingrich. So um, Warren Buffett, of course, is in Omaha, and uh, so he's fighting a double front because he, he can go into uh, Israel to fight Hezbollah, uh-huh. but why can't he marshal forces to go into Connecticut to fight Ned Lamont? Well, who would have ever thought that uh, Warren Buffett was a commander of a whole uh, counterinsurgency operation? Well, he's like one of these grandfatherly dictators. I mean, yeah. like, who runs North Korea? Who's that guy who I saw in the movie uh, Team America by the uh, Trey King, Parker? King Jing Jong Il, you know he's more like a uh, Cisnani. You know he stays in kind of you know his his air conditioned little house out in the middle of nowhere and just issues decrees every once in a while. Well, he's got this avuncular grandfatherly thing, and he holds yeah. an annual meeting every year, and everyone gets a free uh, a Dairy Queen ice cream cone. That's why I say he's more like Sistani than Kim Kim Jong Il because he's a madman. All right. And Sistani's grandfatherly. Yeah. So, yeah, there he is. He's like Mr. Friendly, friendly uh, down there in Omaha, the Oracle of Omaha. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, he's uh, operating this global uh, jihad against anyone who uh, decides that they don't want to drink Coca-Cola and the pesticide-laden Coca-Cola. Of course, mm-hmm. he's a huge shareholder. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really a shame. Now, this is interesting. Look at this paragraph from the Financial Times. It says, the U.S. Embassy in Delhi yesterday warned of a possible al-Qaeda plot to launch a wave of attacks in Mumbai, in Delhi, on or around Independence Day in India next Tuesday. Oh, yeah. You see, they don't want Indians to be independent. Mm-hmm. The Bush, Blair, Bin Laden, axis of weasels. Well, I also noticed that uh, Bush and Blair have changed their tactics in the last week or two. They've, they've started to use uh, catchphrases that would evoke a, a, a sort of nostalgic response in Americans. Right. So they use Independence Day because Americans will just assume they mean July 4th. Oh, my God, they were going to target the Indians on July 4th? Well, <laughs> I mean, yesterday we were down on the Rue Mouffetard here in Paris, uh-huh. and I was talking to you, and these two Americans show up, and they're trying to order chicken with tarragon. And I say to the waiter, oh, and they didn't know what the word uh, estragon meant. Estragon. So I said, oh, that's tarragon, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they looked at me, and I'm, of course, I'm speaking to you in English. Exactly with like this. this. This accent that I have. Yeah. And they're like, oh, your English is so good. How did you learn English? <laughs> and they proceeded to talk to me as if I were French. Yeah, for about half an hour, like I'm this. Like, oh yes, uh, yes, I am French, and I'm speaking exactly <laughs> like this. I studied, you know, English. I was in the U.S. for a few years, and I studied English. 
They're like, oh, that's fantastic. You sound, you sound almost as if you're American. But you see, as you point out, Americans have such an insular view of the world. If you mention Independence Day, they only see it in terms of their own Independence Day. That's the only Independence Day that could possibly matter. Exactly. And of course, the politicians play off this, and they, they have these huge waddling consumers that are consuming trillions of dollars of the processed food and crap every year when they leverage that in the financial markets to build bombs and go kill people who are not going to drink these leveraged products like Coca-Cola in India. And that's why they're going to bomb India, because they refuse to drink Coca-Cola and Pepsi. That's why they've got an assault against Ned Lamont, because he's talking about the Constitution of the Bill of Rights, not the new NSA version, the new Bush version, which excludes civil liberties and excludes the Constitution of the Bill of Rights. So they've got a genuine insurgency, a global insurgency against a corporate occupation. And the U.S., they, as long as they keep them fat and stupid and glued to the TV, they're not going to fight back. But now you've got pockets of resistance, and those people, as you point out, are being marginalized as being... Um, uh, you know, terrorists. They're saying, oh, Ned Lamont, they're painting Ned Lamont with the brush of being an insurgent or a terrorist or a fascist, which is the word du jour. You see, they're bringing back the word fascist now because it evokes all kinds of uh, sentimentality from World War II and how America beat the fascists. So they're going to reap. And we say also, in the case of Israel versus Palestine, you know, we've been saying that the reason Israel is in Palestine, the reason Israel is in Lebanon, is that they're trying to find those Germans that killed them back in World War II. That's the only reason they got this huge flashback. So now American and President Bush on TV saying, we're going to kill those Islamic fascists. Well, he's fighting World War II over again. We're the bad guy, we're the Germans. And this is what Israel, of course, taps into that psychotic uh, flashback mentality where it's like, those goddamn Germans, we're going to get them. We're going to get those Germans in Lebanon and in Palestine. What, what, what are they talking about? What, 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 what exactly, what drugs are they on? But that, the fact that Bush and Blair both used that word fascist last week mm-hmm. to, to ex- describe Islamic militants, they, uh, you see what they're setting it up for. They're setting it up for the, the charge of anti-Semitism and not you're a neo-Nazi if you are against Israel killing Muslims. Right. So Ned Lamont's an anti-Semite. Exactly. Because he's for democracy in America and doesn't support genocide in Palestine by the Jews. And the same thing for those hundreds of thousands of Brits who go out to Parliament Square and protest their anti-Semites. Yeah, so they're going to be rounded up and put in jail as uh, dissidents. Exactly. And that's why Hal Burton is building these huge camps and these huge detention centers. And uh, actually, we're now talking about, we got another commission maybe to explore these camps, another big TV show we're working on. Uh But uh, speaking of this Coca-Cola Pepsi story, um, you know, it's amazing that it, it's become now, you know, when I when I launched Karma Bank, you know, three years ago, I did the uh, the analysis of the market and I figured out what was the most vulnerable company in the world. What company would attract the most dissent around the world based on its multiple of sales on stock price and the vulnerability and the number of people who hated it around the world? The conclusion was Coca-Cola. And so now we're seeing three years later that I think Coke is the is the focus point around the world. It should be the focus point around the world because it's the most vulnerable to a global boycott because the stock's trading at the highest multiple of sales, as the Karma Bank research has sussed out. Now, the thing is that, um, you know, uh, two years ago, we were in the process of launching a hedge fund, right? Yes, we, yes, we were. Everybody remembers that. And the hedge fund was going to make negative bets against Coca-Cola or sell, sell the stock short. And then as the global boycott of Coca-Cola gathers pace and the stock goes down in price, the hedge fund would capture those moves down as capital gains. And then we were going to ship the capital gains to places like India that are being victimized by Coca-Cola. Exactly. Help them set up their own 
uh, water and uh, fruit juice and soft drink plants and companies. Yeah. And I remember we had a meeting in Mayfair, right? Exactly. We had a meeting in Mayfair with Zach, Mm -hmm. Zach Goldsmith, Mm -hmm. and his brother Ben. Yeah. And uh, they made on that table, there were many witnesses, a financial commitment to that product Mm -hmm. to start to make negative bets against Coca-Cola. While at the same time encouraging people around the world to boycott Coca-Cola because after all Coca-Cola is selling pesticide-laden crap over there in India and all over the world and doing all kinds of bad things. Suddenly after that meeting when it got real, uh, the whole campaign went quiet and we didn't hear anything for a few months and then it kind of petered out altogether. Then the next thing we know, Zach's over there at the Tory party advising Cameron who's also working with John Gummer who's involved with Coke in Britain. And then Cameron launches his corporate social responsibility speech whereby he says, who better to distribute aid to Africa and around the world than a company like Coca-Cola? So I ask you listeners, I ask you the listener, did Coca-Cola, has it infiltrated the Tory party and all supporters of the Tory party and all so-called ecologists who support the Tory party? I ask you that, listener. Can you connect the dots? Is there a mole? Is there a force of uh, society weakening corporate malfeasance buried deep in the Tory party? Is David Cameron now just a front man for the corporate jihadist, in particular Coca-Cola? I ask you, the voter, the listener, the resonance person. I think that would be called the resonant person. The resonant person. You're resonating. So anyway, where was this leading? You have another story there about Coca-Cola and Pepsi? Giving the Goliath a good kicking. That's what it says in the Financial Times. It talks about um, Atlanta. We have a problem. A study in India alleging that Coca-Cola and other soft drinks made in the country contain more than 24 times the maximum level of pesticides permitted under proposed standards has knocked the world's most valuable brand. Ministers of Parliament have called for both Coke and Pepsi to be kicked out of India. A quarter of India's 28 states have banned the the, uh, drinks. Coke and Pepsi are about to be thrown out of India. Now, uh, what it goes on to say here about this... Oh, they also talk about the fact that, of course, all these corporations in India, going back to the Bhopal disaster and everything else going on there, have screwed up the groundwater. But, of course, Coke sucks up all the groundwater, mixes it with sugar and pesticides... And then puts a label on it. And that shows commercials of Indian, happy Indians drinking pesticides. Exactly. And as Amit pointed out in the, um, in the media just this past week when Coca-Cola was banned from there, he, he pointed out that it takes four liters of water to make one liter of Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's incredible. And, of course, we know, as we have exposed on the show, that many farmers in India are starving to death, killing themselves, going bankrupt because of the drought situation. The fact that there is a falling uh, groundwater. Mm-hmm. That's right. And who's taking all the groundwater? Coca-Cola, apparently. That's right. Um, but I wanted to say, I wanted to talk one thing about these, um, these, these British-born Pakistanis who are allegedly going to blow up these planes. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I noted when they talked about them in the press, is, uh, you know, yes, Wolf Blitzer, the one thing, if these, if these kids do turn out to be the uh, plotters, the, it, they would fit in with the classic terrorist 
profile. I they're all middle class,、mm-hmm. just like the the guys who flew the planes into the World Trade Center. Well, okay, middle class men, young men, causing chaos and destruction. What did that remind me of? Footballers, football fans in the UK.、Uh, Eric Harris, Dylan Klebold, Columbine. Ah. Middle class kids who plotted for one year to blow away their classmates and、right. the school. They、yeah. actually had、uh, bombs placed in the school that failed to go off. That were going to blow up the entire cafeteria.、Uh-huh. Um, they plotted for a year, made suicide videos.、Uh-huh. So here's a story I have from、uh, Slate, and it's talking about the、uh, FBI investigation of this, which nobody followed up on. But it said, you know, the classic. Excuse for these white middle class Americans is that they were just、um, outsiders and they were angry. Well, the FBI concluded last year that no, 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 they were not angry. They were contemptuous.、Mm-hmm. They were contemptuous of these people that they felt better than in their school, and that、um, it wasn't just fame they were after. They were gunning for devastating infamy on the historical scale of an Attila the Hun. Their vision was to create a nightmare so devastating and apocalyptic that the entire world would shudder at their power. And you're talking about the white guys in uh, in um, that state of in,、uh, in Colorado. Colorado. So this seems to be more related to these Pakistani, the 20 Pakistani, 24 Pakistani youth they arrested、mm-hmm. than a so-called war on terror. It's a war on contemptuous middle-class young men、uh-huh. who feel superior. Too. And that's what exactly what the、um, FBI psychologists use as well. They have a messianic superiority.、Mm-hmm. Well, doesn't this seem like where we should sort of connect the dots rather than trying to artificially connect the dots between some British-born Pakistani youth and Hezbollah?、Mm. It's trickle-down contemptuousness. <laughs> exactly, but isn't this the entire problem with the middle class? Though they drive around in SUVs, looking down contemptuously on somebody waiting for the bus.、Mm. Yeah. Road rage. Exactly.、Mm-hmm. So maybe we should look somewhere else instead of trying to bomb the world in order to stop middle class youth from becoming contentiously、uh, murderous. Well, it opens up a couple of things.、Um, you know, you also have this idea where, as we were saying yesterday, the connections between the、uh, connection to Pakistan and other countries, but not making the connection to the obvious countries or or the countries that are being. Painted with the terrorist brush by Bush Blair, is、uh, one of transference of responsibility that is convenient and、uh, escapes any kind of logic,、uh, which we can we can talk about that a little bit. But first, let's just dwell on this idea that you've got these white guys in Colorado who are blowing away their classmates. They're middle class kids. Plotted for a year、mm-hmm. and made videos before they killed themselves and their classmates. Right. So there is a direct correlation. Exactly what these youth,、uh, these on、um, from seven seven to the Pakistani youth, preparing to blow up these planes. Right. So these you got American white middle class suicide bombers, basically. Exactly. And they are living in America. They're born in America. They have contempt for their fellow Americans.、Mm-hmm. And and this is also true around the world, where you've got all kinds of problems with suicide bombers. So. The the mindset that leads to this these white kids in Colorado blowing themselves up and blowing away their schoolmates because they seek a messianic vision, I guess it all goes back to、uh, in America anyway 
they've left, they, they no longer respect this idea of a secular democratic society. It's become religious fundamentalism. Uh, certainly with brand America, where you've got either in a duopoly or a monopoly, you know, there's Coke and Pepsi have become, have become gods in America. And, you know, it's very common for people to describe brands as taking over for religion in America. Mm-hmm. So people worship brands in America like people used to worship the gods. Now, when people talk about worshiping the Bible in America, they're not really talking about the Bible as we understand that to mean from 2,000 years ago. What they mean is they are rationalizing their worship of the true godlike figures in American culture, which are these brands where these hundreds of millions of dollars and billions of dollars are spent promoting these brands like a Coca-Cola. So when you have a, a youth that worships a sugary drink as their basis for a religious or spiritual foundation, you end up with mental decay, like tooth decay. This mm-hmm. is brain decay. Of course. Until such point as they're so screwed up on, uh, on drugs and sugar, sugary water, that they, in their messianic vision, uh, because they have no spiritual life, they're spiritually bereft. They're spiritually vacuum. It's a vacuum because... There is no, there is no, in America now, there's a vacuum where there once was a a democracy and a sense of freedom there. Now they've got this extraordinarily pressure, pressurized, pressure cooker culture of overconsumption, where people are consuming more than they make, they're consuming more than the value of their house, they're eating themselves to death in a lot of ways. So when you have the youth in Colorado who feels this cancer of overconsumption gobbling up their minds. You know, Kurt Cobain, I think, is another example of somebody who felt the overconsumption disease in America gobbling up his soul, and he blew himself away. Similarly, these kids in Colorado, they're like, they feel the creeping cancer of overconsumption gobbling up their souls, and they have no one to turn to but the brand of Coke as God, and they become messianic leaders and visionaries and followers. Yeah, I, I think they had theirs hollowed out from their childhood, though, unlike Kurt Cobain. You know, they, they grew up as middle class. And I think this is why the terrorists around the world are the, the thing they have in common is their middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, the FBI... And agent, the middle class is getting squeezed, though. That's the thing. Exactly. That's why you're going to see more and more of this. They'll never describe the white American kids who, who are going to increasingly do this as well. Right. They don't describe Timothy McVeigh who wiped out a whole plane loads full of, you know, worth of people in uh, Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And and actually these guys, Dylan and Eric and Columbine, they were competing with, they said they were going to top what Timothy McVeigh did. But um, the, the FBI also described these two boys, well, one of them, as psychopath. And they said that, you know, movies have distorted our view of what psychopaths are. They're not violent and hallucinating sort of people. They're like what the brain-damaged investor is. They have no empathy. Right. And this is what our society encourages, because in order to succeed in a derivative-based financial services world, Mm -hmm. you've got to have no empathy for the people you're stealing from. Mm -hmm. And the grannies whose pensions you're taking. And these kids would, you know, had had this boy, Eric Harris, who was the psychopath, lived, he would have made a great Goldman Sachs banker. That's right. Those Columbine killers were, were on the fast track to Goldman Sachs. <laughs> exactly. But the, but again, the common thread is middle classdom. Right. That's what is the middle the common thread. You know, Bush and Blair's tortured search for like a connection between these British-born Pakistanis 
trying to blow up a plane and Hezbollah is not working. Mm -hmm. Those are two different completely things. Hezbollah is like protecting their homeland from occupiers. These British youth are have more in common with the Columbine killers. Mm-hmm. And the middle class is getting destroyed. And they're getting destroyed, yeah. Well, that's I guess, that's part of feeding into the the global insurrection against corporate occupation. It's tied to the global middle class. Exactly. So, you know, the only thing that keeps the middle class uh, supporting the feudal class is their contempt for the peasants. At least they're above the peasants. Mm-hmm. So when they, as they see themselves getting closer and closer to the peasant class. That's right. And their credit cards get cut off. That's right. Well, the, 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 pathway to, the pathway to being in the upper class or the feudal class, as you point out, is to... Psychopathic. Is, is to erase all empathy or, or to become psychotic and to become a Goldman Sachs psychobanker. <laughs> yeah. And so what happens is as you, as you groom this new generation to become voluntarily suicidally brain damaged so that they can work on Goldman Sachs and make money due to lack of empathy, which is the key to making money as per the Wall Street Journal's article a few months ago just talking about that, you're going to have a few of these middle-class kids that are get over-egged, to use a British expression, uh, on this path. And so the Columbine kids, you know, they were just, they, they went slightly over the line. But underneath the Columbine killers, you've got a few thousand of those students who now, because they witness the Columbine killing, and because they become content, they become very disturbed, they're, they've been they're in shock. But that's a glide path to Goldman Sachs. So those kids who witnessed it and were part of that, a couple of those kids, I, I'd like to see how many years it's been now since the Columbine killings. I'd be very interested to know what percentage of graduates from Columbine that year are now working in financial services. My guess is that it's higher percentage than any other high school in the nation. Because once you get rid of empathy, then it's easier to make money. And it's easier to support the feudal class as they eliminate the middle class and they reestablish medieval feudalism in the world. And that's what this global insurrection against corporate occupation is all about. So I, I'd have to agree with you on that, that the, uh, the events in, uh, in London this past week and, uh, are directly related to that Columbine slaughter. And again, most of these British-born Pakistanis were in their early 20s. And you know with neoliberal capitalism, you know by the time you're 23 if you're a loser or not. Certainly you know that you'll never be a feudal lord by 23. So what's the only other option at that point? If you're not on the feudal lord track, then you go the pop idol track. You go for infamy. That's right. And you, this, you. Is, this is infamous. Now everybody knows their name. That's right. And um, so you've got, um, you've got this, of course, the situation is only getting more pronounced and nobody in any, in any government is trying to attack these root causes. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, except you find great democratic notions and, and, and uh, assembly on the Internet, which in America has produced the Ned Lamont victory. But now in America, they're vilifying the Internet. And the blogs, you know, the blogs are now fascist too. Those fascist blogs. Yep, that's what they're calling them. See, it's a great thing. This word fascism is a uh, downgrade from the word terrorism, but it becomes more utilitarian. So you can say that the blogs are fascist. It would be very difficult to say that blogs are terrorists and to say that some crazy guy blowing a plane is a terrorist. But if you call everyone a fascist 
then it's easier to simply, um, you know, characterize anyone you don't like. I mean, it's obviously, why don't they just call them Jews? Why don't they just call Ned Lamont a Jew? And why don't they just call the bloggers Jews? And then why don't they put a yellow star of David on Ned Lamont's uh, arm? And put the yellow star of David on all websites that go against the fascists in Washington and the UK. Call them Jews. Because well, it's exactly what the, the process in the past has been. You vilify a, a group of people, you dehumanize them, and then you start to gas them. So this is exactly what, and, 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 and Israel is trying to replay the whole thing by killing the, the Germans uh, that killed them in World War II that are hiding in Lebanon and pa- Palestine. Well, it's pretty ironic for Tony Blair, who we know is going to go work for Rupert Murdoch, mm. the phone-tapping dude, the tabloid oh, dude. the phone-tapping. Well, I mean, we should talk about that maybe, <laughs> you know, Rupert Murdoch's phone-tapping and the way it's been exposed this past week. Exactly. Okay, yeah, let's talk about Rupert Murdoch and his criminal operation here in the UK. Mm-hmm. I've read that, oh, woo, Rupert Murdoch is going to be very upset that his royal editor would hack into a phone. Mm-hmm. This will come as a surprise to him. Well, they tapped my phone, the News of the World, four years ago. I had DC White from Scotland Yard over at my house many times. He knows that my phone was tapped. And I told them it was News of the World. And they were like, wow, this is shocking. Why would he do this? Why would News of the World do this? They wouldn't commit an illegal crime. But everybody knows they were doing this. Everybody knows. And they act like it was a big surprise four years later that they're doing it to, you know, Prince Charles. I should have called Prince Charles and warned him. Well, yeah. I mean, so four years ago, uh, when you were a girlfriend of somebody in the media, a famous media person, that uh, ended up... uh, getting into huge media coverage, the News of the World and Rupert Murdoch was illegally tapping people's phones, mm-hmm. including your phone. Yep. And um, this, at the time, was being denied uh, by Murdoch and his associates. And even Scotland Yard would say, how could they do this? So now it turns out, four years later, that Murdoch's paper, yes, in fact, they were tapping, they are tapping people's phones illegally by getting into the the networks themselves, the phone networks, uh, even before the NSA started to illegally spy on people. You already had News of the World and Murdoch illegally spying on people. Of course, Tony Blair wants now to serve on Murdoch's board, having served as prime minister, allowing for the laws to be changed and and squeegeed and bent out of shape to make it easier for uh, the insiders of these corporations to spy on their customers and spy on citizens. So you've got this whole corporate... Uh, tapping of the phone situation. And of course, remember that Princess Diana died due to the paparazzis chasing her down uh, in a way that's invasive. And that includes phone tapping. I mean, Princess Diana, you know, was murdered by the paparazzis. And Murdoch, let's, let's call a spade a spade. Murdoch and his henchmen, and they're phone spying, and they're invasive, uh, over in, over prying, and going beyond the law illegally. Uh, invading people's privacy killed Princess Diana. She's dead because of Murdoch today. I'll make that statement. And if you want to debate me, call me up, you schmata. But we're talking about fascism here. And that's what I want to bring this back to, is that Murdoch was tapping phones four years ago. Since then, his company, News Corporation, has floated on the New York Stock Exchange. They have moved over there. They've moved their listing from Australia to New York. And he's become an American citizen. And then what happens right after that? It becomes government policy in America to tap phones. So who, right. who's who's who? You know, zooming who? Who's driving American policy? Mm-hmm. 
So now you personally had this experience of having the state, which is run by corporations, personally invading your privacy by illegal tapping your phones. And uh, this is why you've got a, a, a crisis now in the UK and in the US, because the reason why the government and these corporations are pushing the so-called terror button is to destroy the middle class and reintroduce feudalism and to basically go against every single law that's on the books. In the U.S., you've got Bush is putting in these signing orders where he's violated close to 800 laws. He's a complete, out-of-control, autocratic, dictatorial nightmare who's absolutely destroying the notion of democracy and any idea of the middle class. And you've got Bush uh, working with Blair who's uh, right up there with him, with his head fully, in, fully uh, you know, pushed up the... Uh... I know another secret. I actually found out while this was going on with me that uh, two years ago, yeah. they were tapping Alistair McGowan's phone. I know that for a fact. So they were tapping Alistair McGowan's phone mm-hmm. because they thought he was having an affair with some uh, news presenter. Mm-hmm. So to uh, Murdoch to get uh, sell newspapers by uh, illegally spying on people and then splashing this uh, material on the pages of his monopolistically controlled uh, publications and, and various media outlets, he's, of course, distracting you, the average British citizen, from the fact that your government's in bed with the corporations and George Bush in ways that are resulting in, A, the 7-7 bombings, that's a result of uh, Tony Blair's foreign policy, UK. Those 52 people that died, um, you want answers? Call up number 10 Downing Street. Uh, the, uh, the attacks, uh, the uh, plots of last week, what's it all about? Who's organized it? Why are we being uh, subjected to this? Well, I suggest you call up number 10 Downing Street and ask your prime minister. He's in bed with the devil. He works with Bush and bin Laden. They are directly connected to Coca-Cola. They are the same entity. They are trying to put you, the middle class, out of business and reintroduce feudalism in the modern world. And uh, whether the people in the UK join the global insurrection or not, uh, I think that they will. I think that they are. Obviously, 100,000 of them showed up a couple weeks ago or last week down there outside of the House of Commons to protest uh, what's going on. But you've got now in India, they are pushing Coca-Cola out of the Indian state. And the response from Warren Buffett's crowd is to bomb India using their henchman, Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda is the muscle, basically, of Bush Blair. That's the muscle side. You know, it's like if you want to hit, uh, the mafia wants to hit, they call in uh, some big guy with a, you know, muscle. Well, that's, Al-Qaeda is Bush and Blair's muscle, basically. And anytime they need to muscle out some competitor, like some upstart Coca-Cola, cola product in India, uh, they just call their muscle and they go blow them up, basically, is what it's all about. And they don't want the competition. You know, Microsoft, it's amazing. Uh, last week, the government said that they issued, the government, U.S. government issued a statement advising people who have Windows products to uh, quickly go to the web and find a patch for the latest bug in the Windows product. It was Windows XP. And they said, they said it, this is a national security issue. You must go now and fix this bug. It's a national security issue. Lord knows what it is, what has happened. But there's something deeply troubling. Well, yeah, the, 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 the Internet, the web top, the web is monopolized by Windows. And Bill Gates is a twice convicted predatory monopolist. The, the world is forced to use the, one of the worst products ever invented in the history of the world. Uh, Bill Gates has garnered tens of billions of dollars by uh, monopolistically forcing this crap product down people's throats and into their hard drives. 
And uh, there, now he's off uh, gallivanting around the world trying to solve, uh, you know, cure people of diseases. Well, why not cure your own virus called Microsoft Windows first? You know, fix the product that you introduced and destroyed the world's uh, cyber ecosystem with first, Bill. You know, you're trying to make amends by saving, you know, curing malaria. What about Microsoft Windows? It's killing more people than malaria ever has or ever will. It's a national security threat. You know, these uh, the law enforcement officials would have a lot easier task staying inside the bounds of the legal framework if the Microsoft Windows wasn't such a dangerous crap product. Because Microsoft Windows is such a dangerous crap product, they've got to go outside of the law, break the law, and break the Constitution, break the Bill of Rights. Do you think Bill Gates cares? He's got this huge castle he built in Seattle. It's part of a new feudal class, the Davos class, the feudalism. Uh, I'd say fix Windows first, then go try to fix malaria. You and your, you know, shmata wife. So meanwhile, you know, this is why I support uh, the Pirate Party of Sweden. Because they're the ones who are fighting against the Bill Melinda Gates of the world. You know, high-profile crooks on the high seas of finance. Stealing people's money while forcing them to use crap software. The Pirate Party of Sweden, that's a party that needs international support. There should be a a Pirate Party... um, you know, in, in countries all over the world, I think it's being there's one in the U.S. I think they formed one in America, yeah. So, so the Pirate Party is about uh, open source so- software, which is in the process of being criminalized around the world. By the way, yeah, that's right. Open source software is being criminalized, and they're using copyright law. And copyright law is another one of these horrible, horrible laws that over the past thirty, forty years, thanks to companies like Disney. Copyright keeps getting extended every time Mickey Mouse is due to enter the public domain. They extend copyright so that Disney doesn't have to lose that monopoly residual on the Mickey Mouse show. The last time it was extended was uh, Sonny and Cher. What was it? Uh, Sonny Bono was in, uh, I think he was a senator or a congressman or something in Washington, and he got behind the bill. To, to expand copyright another 20 years for Mickey Mouse. Poor Mickey Mouse uh, needs uh, to be have another 20 years' worth of protection. And unfortunately, these copyright laws effectively have performed a, a lobotomy on our collective unconscious. You know, we've got an entire civilization in our DNA, uh, and all these thoughts in our minds are the product of millions of years of evolution, hundreds of thousands of years of, of society, thousands of years of... Uh, you know, uh, written material that we are all, you know, in our soul, in our DNA. And to allow corporations to copyright that material, take it off the market for a hundred years at a time, you're effectively giving civilization a lobotomy of its collective knowledge source. Now, why would a corporation like Disney be allowed to perform a lobotomy on our collective historical references and our DNA? It should absolutely not be the case. Copyright should be rolled back to 14 years. You can have monopoly protection for 14 years, as was the original design by Thomas Jefferson, Article 17 of the Constitution. 14-year copyright protection, that's it. Anything beyond that is totally damaging. It's totally damaging to the economy and society. Yeah, I noticed that uh, today in the paper they're talking about the new rules about getting on airplanes. First of all, airplanes are carbon abusers. Airplanes, forget the people blowing up the airplanes. They're already killing people with the carbon emissions. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you have to ask yourself this this question, Stacey. Let's say that there are, at any given point, how many airplanes are there in the world? You know, 
Two million airplanes, mm-hmm. maybe around the world. Let's say a million, a million, a hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand. Yeah, you're right. Let's say there's two hundred thousand airplanes around the world. Let's say that yesterday a hundred thousand of those airplanes blew up. Mm-hmm. Now, would this be a good for society or b bad for society? Well, in ecological terms, of course, it's a net positive because. Airplanes are by far the worst cause of carbon emissions uh, we have that are committing industry-assisted suicide. So if half the airplanes in the world blew up yesterday, the humankind would probably have a a few more years of life before it became extinct. So, uh, you know, the reason I thought about this is because in the Financial Times today, there was a businessman complaining that all these new regulations about getting on the airplane and having to have your liquids examined and your breast milk uh, examined. I like that job, by the way, at the airport. Mm-hmm. I have to examine all the, all the mother's breast milk. Yep. They would say that um, going on the airplane then was losing him time. And, of course, losing time for this businessman means losing money. So he's saying, I'm, I'm against all of these regulations to examine all my personal belongings because I, I'm, I'm losing time and I'm losing money. But, of course, that same businessman, if he were actually a businessman, would understand that by allowing that carbon to be emitted from that airplane, he's going to lose many years of his life, which I would assume has some value to him in monetary terms. But, of course, nobody thinks over the course of the value of their entire life. They're only thinking of the value of the next 30 minutes. But let's look at the last week where America is warning that India is about to have an al-Qaeda attack. And this happens right when India bans Coca-Cola, which is harming Warren Buffett's bottom line. Now, in London, we have this, these Pakistanis uh, ready to blow up commercial airliners. Warren Buffett also owns the private airline service. Maybe this is just trying to drive these businessmen to his private corporate jet I think, service. yeah, he's involved, what is it called, net jets? Net, something like that. He owns an executive jet service. Uh-huh. Maybe he's just driving business to his, uh, his corporation. Well, that's the thing when you have a situation like Warren Buffett has where he's in, you know, the Berkshire Hathaway, they own something like 46 companies. Exactly. In his uh, portfolio. And he's the second richest man in the world. So, yeah, of course, if Coca-Cola stock's underperforming, why not uh, sponsor some of these uh, events at the airport to force uh, people onto his net jets? And he owns... A huge chunk of AIG. The insurance company. Insurance company. So this raises insurance premiums, all these headlines. So bottom line is that the people who are on these planes, their lives are increasingly becoming worthless. And they're just playing off the middle class against the middle class. On the planes, you have white, middle class, contemptuous people. They're contemptuous of all the rest of the world, the billions of people who are suffering from ecological degradation. And the suicide bomber people who go on there are contemptuous middle-class Islamic people, maybe. Mm-hmm. So there, it's just a war of the middle class between the middle class. It's various factions of the middle class. Trying to fight it out for the crumbs being left by the upper class. It's a civil war. It's a middle-class civil war. It's class war. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. We're back to Marxism. <laughs> no, it's not inter-class war. It's they're, they're in the same class. They're both middle class. Right. But they're just contemptuous of each other. And everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's interesting in middle class. Exactly. War. Exactly. To curry favor with the upper class. So the upper class 
to solve the class war problem has gotten the middle class to go to war with itself. Exactly. You want that to happen because, remember, historically, it's the middle class that has turned on the upper class and driven revolution. So if you have right. them fighting each other for who could be the most contemptuous. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's thing, the thing about Marxism is it comes out of that you know, Russian-European type of mindset where people with money are distrusted and the people without money have a certain halo about them. Mm -hmm. In America, which is now the dominant superpower, it's the other way around. Mm -hmm. If you have money, you have a halo around you. Donald Trump is a godlike, heroic figure. Dick Cheney and uh, other businessmen are the right of the people with the correct. And the poor people, like in New Orleans, because they're poor, they deserve to be dead. So exactly. it's the reverse. So therefore, in this new uh, class struggle, basically, you've got a situation where the rich people are the heroes. And the middle class is trying to beat each other up to avoid becoming poor because the poor people are the villains. Exactly. I wonder what Hugh Tynan would have to say about this. <laughs> Where is Hugh? Yeah, Hugh Tynan. He's kind of our resident expert in the class war, uh, his history of class war. So who would want to go to America now? So this is all from London to the UK to America. I, I noted that they were only targeting American Airlines, United Airlines, and Continental. Meanwhile, France's economy reported its best growth in five years. Exactly. So I Everybody... guess not supporting Iraq and not supporting uh, terrorist activities in the Bush, Blair, and Bin Laden axis is good for your economy. That's the lesson there. France is having the best economy in five years. Exactly. Anyway, yeah, so you have to go to America, you get fingerprinted, annually probed, but even before you get there now, that was part of the problem for the last four years. Now you've got this, you can't even carry any luggage, you've got to stand in line for seven hours in London. Yeah. For I what? Mean, Why would you go there? To, well, because of the exchange rate. They could save 10 bucks on a pair of trousers in New York City. Oh, right. That's right. So as long as they keep this uh, global currency grid artificially uh, out of line, you're going to have a lot of loose marbles rolling into America looking for deals. I've got news for you, Brits. Uh, alcohol in America is like twice as expensive. So you, it takes uh, a lot much more, much more money to get drunk there. Nope, that's it. No British person's going to go now. Plus, you're not allowed to vomit on the street. As liberally, no. No. Not not in Mayfair, anyway. You have to go down to Skid Row. Yeah, you got to go down to the poor section. you got to go to New Orleans to vomit freely, as you would in Mayfair or Islington or Camden. We've got five more minutes, so um, oh, yes, you've, you've got to come up with another story. Well, I see, thinking, by yeah. the way, I saw, speaking of ecological devastation, I saw in... Uh, Apparently, yeah. scientists say that the Pacific dead zone is much bigger than expected. Oh, uh, that's right. The Pacific dead zone. You mean where all the fertilizers roll into the uh, water, and then uh, you have the uh, preponderance of algae, which sucks all the oxygen out of the uh, ocean, which means there's no fish can live. Exactly. And at the same time, scientists this week said, oh, actually, the Greenland ice shelf is melting at three times the rate it was only last year. Right. <laughs> right. Well, this is, again, points to something we talk about, the positive feedback loops that are uh, ecological devastations happening um, in um, terms of, um, you know, uh, not, not, not in a linear way. Exactly. Well, these are, but, this is the result from the Pacific dead zones to the Greenland ice sheet melting three times as fast as previously thought. That's the result of the contemptuous flyers on the airlines mm -hmm. across the Atlantic. 
That's right. This is the result of their contempt for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wrote a story on uh, the blog three years ago about, you know, that Al-Qaeda, if, if successful, ultimately the, the ecology wins. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just the, the economics of that statement are true, effectively. Now, the way to fight Al-Qaeda is not to make it easier for businessmen to destroy the ecology, which is what Bush's plan is to do, to roll back protection, the Environmental Protection Agency, to uh, allow BP to, uh, to destroy Prudhoe Bay in Alaska, to uh, allow the deforestation to occur. So his, his solution is to make it easier for ecological devastation, which puts more pressure on people around the world to try to stop the corporate fascists from destroying the ecology. And the armed wing of that movement are these people who are getting violent. You know, we don't support violence, of course, because we think that the easiest way to push back against the corporate occupation is to simply cut these companies off from their money supply. And in the case of Coca-Cola, if you stop drinking Coca-Cola around the world, you know, I mean, uh, you know who would be a good guy to get behind this campaign is uh, Mark Thomas. Don't you think? I think he already is behind this campaign. But he needs to get more vocal about it. He needs to really... Uh, we saw a show last year, right? I mean, if you're listening to this show, I suggest that you send Mark Thomas an email. He's, his email is easy to find, right? Mm-hmm. And you say... You send him an email and say, Hey, Mark Thomas, we love you. You really are fighting the good fight. You need to hook up with those folks at Karma Bank. And uh, together, there could be the one-two punch. It could be the one-two punch that gives Coke the big, the body blow that sends him to the tarmac, sends him to the canvas. What's their, what's their email address over there? <laughs> I don't know. Our email address is karmabank at gmail.com. And um, I guess that's it. Do you want to make your little newspaper noise before we go? Don't we have that on a loop somewhere? Don't we have that on a, uh, <laughs> as a sound effect somewhere? That's, that's your trademark sound. You that, like that? That's Max's trademark sound. Well, I suppose. Um, tomorrow is our Sunday roast show. and um, uh, But, you know, uh, then we got more pot shows later <laughs> ne- next, next week, don't we? Then we're going to go where we're we going to be in Brussels in a few days. We're going to be in Brussels in a few days, so you can uh, check that If you're in Brussels, out. Uh, send us an email. What's the email address again, Sweet Pea? It's karmabank at gmail.com, honey. Yeah. How many times do I have to tell you? Well, I mean, send us an email. We'll be in Brussels if you want to have a little get-together in Brussels. Uh, send us an email. Let us know about You want to buy us uh, lunch? We'll be happy to... Uh, to, to, to help that. Yeah, we're going to have a meetup in Brussels if you're out there. <laughs> yeah, this, that that turns Brussels. out quite well. And plus, we, we have a new relaunch. Well, then the Biff and Bridge gave you that really nice bottle of wine. From the Becca Valley, yeah. Yeah. That, that um, I'm holding on to that because that could become a really exclusive bottle of wine because, you know, the, all the grape harvest has been destroyed by Israel, who was jealous now, of Lebanon. And Halloumi burger at Hamburger Heaven. Exactly. Well, Hamburger, Hamburger Union. I Hamburger bought that Union. For you. Yeah. Oh, and I got a halloumi burger, and you got a super classy bottle of wine. What's going on with this relationship? <laughs> Biffin Bridge, man. Of course, you know all the dignitaries out there, the mayor of Biffin Bridge. Exactly. Well, I, I end up with a goddamn halloumi burger. Oh, wow. So if anybody in um, Brussels wants to buy Max a um, some something rare, either a bottle of wine from the Becca Valley or maybe... Raw, something or, raw. Or maybe a, a Cuban cigar Yeah. Before right. before Castro dies. So you can have... Um, you know, a genuine Castrovian. Yeah, buy them cigars Cigar. before the price drops. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all.